Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode three of OSUZ 504's Freelance, the Anti-Romance. In our last episode, Erica bought some sex books, Marcus amused himself, and we learned how much Dungeons and Dragons can ruin a human being with some pretty clever character titles. Remember, if you like this book, it's available on Amazon.com and at www.osuz504.tech. That's osuz504.tech. Aussie has a whole bunch of other stuff up there as well, so you can check out some of its other works. And now, back to the story. Section 6, Level 1. A cleric, a bard, and a warlock walk into a bar. A fantastic edifice rises up out of the jungle, a hanging garden of exotic beauty. Water streams down the steps between two massive elephant carvings. Beyond them, a broad, flooded avenue runs arrow-straight for more than a hundred feet before ending at a carving of a tyrannosaur's face. Water pours from the tyrannosaur's jaws and flows the length of the concourse to drain down the steps in front of you. Five-foot-high terraces flank the boulevard. Low archways, three on each side, are built into the terrace walls. These archways are in various stages of collapse, as are the tunnels beyond them. Beautifully carved, larger-than-life stone faces are mounted between the archers. A wild profusion of plants grows on the upper terraces, and multicolored parrots and canaries flit and sing among them. To the north, a dilapidated brick dome rises above the Tyrannosaurus's head waterspout. Smaller, bell-shaped domes surmount the highest terraces to your left and right. Okay, okay. Stop talking, Chris. I want to do a perception check for traps at the entrance near the elephants. A young-looking blonde boy moved a small figure of an elf forward on the battleboard. A larger, dark-haired man moved it back. Your perception is a fucking negative two, idiot. Let the cleric do the trap check. Why would the cleric check for traps? He has like five spells and he's way overpowered for combat, not for dungeons said the blonde man. Look, look, just, we have to figure out where the guy went, so who has a fine person spell or something? Well, I don't know, Marcus is the cleric, he can do a fine paths or something, right? No, Marcus said, I took the nature specialization, so I mostly just have healing. I'm at level two, though, I can multi-class with ranger soon, just, you know, not right now. Ugh, said the dark-haired man, Justin, annoyed. Well, I guess I can learn that spell Maybe, if we can find it. Or or I guess I could do an arcana check to see if I could figure out what the ruins and stuff are. I have that special helm, so I have a plus two on intellect right now. Silence. Brian, are you playing on your fucking phone right now? Said Justin, irate at his brother. What? what hey, uh, hey, nope, sorry. Did, did you need me to check for traps or something? No, just quit, put your phone away, bro. Stop it. Okay, Chris said, interrupting. What do you guys want to do? Kaylind, the elemental warlock, closes his eyes and focuses his concentration on sensing the subtle flow of magic around him, hoping to discern where the villain the party tracked had fled. Behind him, he senses the steady presence of the other adventurers watching his back. Ah, shit, Chris, I rolled a two, Justin said, as the rest of the table moaned. Okay, okay. So you try and concentrate, but just as you're about to sense the signature of this blood mage, a uh, parrot shits on you and you flub the spell, responds, responded Chris. What do you want to try next? Marcus said, Can I do a perception check or a nature check to see if the guy left any tracks or hints as to where he went? Sure, Chris said. Roll perception with a plus one since you're within five feet of your bard there. 
Rory cast Enhance Ability during that last encounter, and you get a buff. Cool. Marcus rolled the dice and checked his sheet. Oh, shit. Ten. Yeah, sorry, man. You don't see anything unusual. Something seems to be obscuring the mage's tracks. <sighs> Marcus slumped back in his chair. Oh, hey, Ryan, don't you have a locate object or person spell? Hmm? Ryan, the blonde boy, was snacking on something and staring off into the distance. Oh, shit. Yeah, I think I can cast it at first level. I think, uh, first level, right? Yeah, first level. Oh my god, bro, why didn't you say something earlier? asked Justin. He shrugged. I didn't think of it. What? It literally has locate person in the title. How can you not think of it? Jesus, all right, whatever. Okay, Chris, I cast locate person at first level. Go for it. Uh, 18 plus my spellcasting bonus is 24. Awesome. With that roll, you can tell that the scent of blood leads to the easternmost dome, which is accessible through the tunnel immediately on your left. A short tunnel ends at a slab of worked stone, whose edges are marked by relief carvings of grinning skulls. Four lines engraved at the center of the slab cross one another to form a sort of star, with both ends of each line marking the location of a cube-shaped cavity cut into the door. Eight cavities in all. Hey, Chris, thanks for the game. Marcus packed up his stuff, smiling at his coworker. It's always fun. I'll see you in a couple weeks, at least for the game. Yeah, you know, hey, I got some stuff going on. I may, I may have to take a break from the game. You know how it is. But, but anyway, hey, thanks for taking Erica off my hands. You guys seem to get along really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no worries. I like her stuff. It's good. It's not that I dislike her, you know? It's just that she was a little too stressful to work with all the time. Yeah? You, you get that, right? Sure. Marcus tossed the dice bag into his carry-all and rolled the map case that carried his character sheet. He liked the stupid game way too much. He liked it so much, he was even willing to play with Chris, who had the same amount of personality as a wet rag. The other guys were okay. Shame Chris read everything straight out of the module. Yeah, thanks again for the game. I'll see you Monday. Yeah, see you. See you. Section 7. You want to punch your own party member? What's your AC again? Are you sure? Marcus drummed his fingers on the table and tuned out whatever nonsense the sales guy was trying to get them to do. Something about building a marketing strategy to demonstrate return on investment so that the accountants could claim asset value, blah, blah, blah. He checked his phone again. It was awfully close to monthly submission time, and Erica hadn't called. No meltdowns, no texts describing how she was physically incapable of making the deadline. Nothing. Disturbing silence. Tap, tap, tap. I'm so sorry, Marcus. Are we boring you with all this talk about making money? Veronica's voice cut across the drone. Do you have somewhere else you'd like to be? No, ma'am. He shoved his phone in his pocket and sat up a little straighter. Just worried about one of the authors. Do it on your own time. She jammed a finger into one of the documents on the table. These forms let me pay everyone. So kindly, pay attention to what you have to do so you can get your money. Uh, yes, ma'am. Tap, tap, tap. She's going to be late again, he thought. Those chapters will be due in a couple days. 
as well for revisions, and she's not going to make them. He was tempted to text again. His fingers drifted towards his phone. No, 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 no. Have some faith. She could be finishing up early. You never know. Yeah, early. Right. She's probably died of hunger. Maybe she was eaten by cockroaches and she just didn't have the decency to warn me that copy would be missing this month. I have to go see her. He almost felt guilty using the key to get into her place again. Almost. It wore off pretty much immediately. The room was once again shrouded in Stygian darkness, and he flipped on the light. Erica was lying upside down, her feet on the head cushions of the couch, the cat pooled on her toes, similarly stretched out. Uh, uh, is that you, Marcelito? She said. Yes? He came over to stand in front of her. Professora, why are you upside down? And why haven't you ever heard of a desk? You sit at it, and you can type at the same time. Desks are for wimps, she said. Why would I need a desk? I have the two companions every writer needs. Shame and self-doubt and a coffee table. Three. Three companions every writer needs. Shame, self-doubt, a coffee table, and a cat. Four. Four companions. What is What is the problem today? She lunged, or rather tried to lunge up, only to get caught between the cat and gravity, and just sort of flopped onto the floor. The cat huffed and sat next to Marcus. The, the problem? The problem is the same as last time. Look at this. Just read it. She shoved the laptop under his nose. He began reading. As her heart thrummed loudly in her chest, she looked down at Aikihiko, who clearly looked shocked. Shocked but pleased. She put her hands on Aikihiko's chest, lightly stroking the flesh through the cloth. Aikihiko moaned, encouraging her to continue her journey. After unfastening the button to reveal the skin beneath, she timidly planted butterfly kisses here and there on Akihiko's washboard stomach. As if pleased by this, Akihiko squirmed and gave a heavy sigh. Strangely enough, she felt inordinately pleased with herself, knowing she had this kind of effect on the man. Feeling bolder, she loosened Akihiko's slacks and tugged them down. Her hands now rested on the throbbing cock that quivered beneath a single layer of cloth. Oh boy said Marcus. <clears throat> yep. Erica threw herself backwards, covering her face with her hands in despair. I know. I know. It's so awful. I basically copied it, and there are pages of this drivel. At one point, somebody actually rips a bodice. It's the single most distressing thing I've ever read, including Holocaust survivor memoirs. He was trying not to laugh. Failing, but still trying. Erica, why are you doing this? Just don't write a sex scene. Do a do a cutaway or, you know, like curtains flapping in the breeze or something, waves on the beach, whatever those metaphors are in science fiction. Her only response was a long, drawn-out, inarticulate moan of frustration. You told me to do this. You challenged my honor as a writer. You basically said that I was incapable of writing the human experience, Marchenko. I will write this if it's the last thing I ever put on paper. No, 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 no. Easy, easy, professora. Your magazine article is still due this week, and the chapters for Iron Road are due by revision next Wednesday. No, 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 no. I'm not writing anything until I can write this. What? I'm going to write a romance novel. <laughs> You're not. I am. This is your fault. 
stop, Erica. He had to pause to wipe the laughter out of his voice. Don't you think this is a little extreme? I just said you needed some softness in your writing. A pause as he found the phrase he was looking for. Not more throbbing cock. Don't say those words. Why? You wrote them. They're right there. He chuckled again. Relax. Go back to your actual writing. No. He felt his good humor starting to slip. Just a little. What do you mean, no? Exactly what I said. She sat up straight, looking him in the eyes directly, which was unusual enough. I'm doing this until I can write it without throwing up in my mouth. All my other projects are on hold. I'm a romance writer until further notice. He blinked. She was serious. You're being serious right now. Yes? As a heart attack. He pinched the bridge of his nose and tried to breathe through the exasperation that was sitting on his chest. Erica, you are getting paid to write the fourth book in a sci-fi series that is extremely popular. You are also a contributing writer to two very decent magazine collections that pay you every month to provide short stories. None of those require sex scenes, and you should write the things that are in your contract so that you can eat every month. Then I will write sex scenes for the magazine shorts. You will absolutely not. I cannot publish mature content. I am so sorry I said anything. Your characters are perfect. Your stories are impeccable. Please go back to writing the things that I can finalize for next week. For your contract. Once, a long time ago, when Marcus was working as a mason to put his ex-wife through college, he had dropped a cement block on his foot. It had taken a moment for him to feel the full weight of it, and another moment to realize that there was probably something broken underneath it. He had the same feeling of curious detachment now. So this is what it's like to watch a career die, he thought absently. I've broken her. She's in a positive feedback loop she's never going to break out of. No. Her tiny, pale little form stood up. Glasses were firmly pushed onto her nose. Determination gleamed from her pasty pores. I... We'll write erotica, said with the conviction of a commander of men. He let his head fall back to stare at the ceiling and let out a deep, dejected sigh. Mm, now it's erotica? The more I talk, the worse this gets. Please stop. Please finish the things we are paying you for. That's it. Never. I will use my considerable brain power to solve the complexities of human sexual interactions, and I will write something so moving, so deep, and insightful that it will challenge the very notions of what erotica means to this culture. Please shut up. I will use my words to break gender stereotypes, develop acceptance and tolerance for homosexuality, and banish the shame and body hatred that has haunted this country since its founding by puritanical killjoys. Professora, you used throbbing cock in a sentence. She immediately deflated. I know, I, it's just awful. I'm going to kill her, he thought. He tried to be patient. He tried to picture this from her perspective. He tried very hard to think of something encouraging. Instead, he picked up one of the seemingly hundreds of sex manuals and self-help books littering her floor and smacked her in the head with it. No. Bad author. Stop it. Write science. Write engineering. Write deep, emotionally turbulent, dystopian futures. 
and I am so sorry I said anything. I forbid you to write any romance or sex scenes. Hey, until your current works are finished. You can't tell me what to do. I can and I am. Stop it. He smacked her with the book again. No. Bed. Focus. I can figure it out. I promise I can write something good. Absolutely not. I will get you the latest in any academic papers you want. I will bring you a signed copy of whatever your favorite physicist is publishing. He dug up another book, garishly decorated with a half-naked man and swooning woman. But anything that looks like this, or that may have the word cock somewhere in his pages, is hereby banned from your home. Give me all them. What? He waggles his fingers. Pile all your research materials right here. She didn't move. Fine. He hunted through the stacks of loosely arranged books. She had hundreds. She needs proper bookshelves, he thought absently, as he found almost a dozen romances and a couple reference manuals on how to write romances on the floor, jammed under the table behind the couch. He even went into her bedroom. The bed was literally covered in books. A thin outline of open space seemed to imply that she did sleep there occasionally, but books lined her dresser, her closet, shoe racks, and shelves. Books were piled in stacks near the bed, supporting a lamp, propping up a corner of the bed that had partially collapsed, presumably from the weight of more books. My God, he managed to whisper, struck by sheer volume, before scanning more titles. There was also a not inconsiderable collection of Boys Love Manga editions. He should have known. He closed his eyes in a moment of sheer incredulousness. Obviously, he would have to be much more careful with his comments. Things went from thought to obsession with her much too quickly. He stuck his finds into a couple pillowcases and waved them at her. You can have these back when you finish your chapters. Maybe. She stuck her tongue out at him. The Iron Road chapters are due Wednesday, he said, tossing the books over his shoulder. And your short is due this Friday. Do not make me come over here and watch you write again. I will chain you to the coffee table until you finish them. Bossy, bossy. Sit. Write something. He glanced at the shambles of her kitchen. Did the groceries come yesterday? Groceries? Yes, you ridiculous woman. I ordered you a grocery delivery. She shrugged, focusing on what he hoped was her novel and not her newfound interest in human sexuality. <sighs> he sighed and dropped the books next to the door and made her an omelet, listening to the soothing tap-tap-taps of her fingernails against the keyboard. She didn't seem to need to talk unless it was absolutely necessary though he saw her make numerous notes in her books and make extensive outlines in the notebook next to her. Otherwise, the apartment was almost silent. He could hear the hiss of the pan and the cat licking himself perched on Erica's knees, but she didn't seem to notice anything. She should just leave with me, live with me, he thought, trying to find a plate in the tiny space. She had even started stacking books in the kitchen. Although I'm not sure I'd have enough room for her book collection. This apartment was comfortable, but not a library. I'd have to put in shelves, build them into the walls, with a ladder, maybe? He had quite a collection of his own, after all. And there was Elena's stuff, even though she only lived there part of the time. He still wanted her to have her own space. He sloughed the omelette into a bowl, there were no clean plates in sight, and dropped it next to her. Here, eat this. She stuck her hand in and tried to eat only her, using only her fingers and promptly dropped it and blew on the burned digits. He shoved the fork closer to her. Use silverware like a person. Jesus. She didn't look up from the computer, just wiped her greasy hands on her sweat. 
Charles, Professora, you need a keeper. She looked up at him, curiously intent, focused in that absorbed, intense way she had. You're still here? Why? You don't have to do any of this. She looked up at the ceiling, at the light filtering through the windows that he'd open and inhaled the smell of food that he'd cooked, and let her eyes come back to his. They were warm. Hers were liquid brown, honey-golden eyes that reminded him of galaxies and nebulas. Stardust. He cleared his throat. I don't like seeing things suffer, and you live like a crazy person. The least I can do is feed you and convince you not to disappear from stupidity for another week. You turn in your copy on time when you're fed. It's a sound business decision. Uh Uh-huh. He knew those wide, unblinking, honey-gold eyes were watching him, and he suddenly didn't want to see them anymore. He grabbed the pillowcases again. Go outside or something today. Remember to feed the cat. Kitty can take care of himself. Neither of you can take care of yourselves. Friday, Wednesday, don't be late. Yes, 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 go away. Bye. Marcus's apartment was lit up, warm and welcoming, and he spared a grateful thought for good daughters. I'm home, mija. He dropped the pillowcases of smut against the entryway. Do you have a good day today? I'm sorry I'm late. Hi, Daddy. I made me loaf. There's some in the oven if you're hungry. Thank you, baby. She came over for a hug and stopped. One of the pillowcases had slumped over, a cover showing too much, much too much, of two handsome men clinging to each other, slipped out and fell on the floor. What is that? Human sexuality research done by an alien. I am just holding onto it for now until her mothership returns for her. Elena blinked at him, confused. But those are two guys. Yes, yes they are. What kind of research was she doing? The kind that your mother would flip out if you participated in. He shoved the book back with its brethren and stashed in his room. He knew she was absolutely going to read as many as she could stuff into her pack as soon as he left the house. He was sure of it. Her mother was going to have a shit fit. The thought made him smile. What's an alien doing researching human sexuality, she asked, following him into his room and then back out into the living room, intensely curious. Is it a real alien? What is it really? Who knows, he said, making for the kitchen. As far as I can tell, she just wants to observe humanity in its natural habitat. We just keep making it complicated for her to record her findings. What? Sorry, baby. I am amusing myself. Tell me about your day today. 